But friends, as we go into James, you know, I, I trust that as we as we study a book in the Word of God, that you know, it's almost like the Holy Spirit will give us the opportunity to close our eyes to this world and for a moment just to walk in the footsteps of saints. Just to walk through their culture, just to walk through what they've experienced, to to read what this man wrote, but not just read what he wrote, but to experience what it felt like to him walking down the streets in Jerusalem, because he was the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And as as I'm sharing this with you, I'm thinking, there's a a guy called Paul Schneider in my my, uh, research for today's sermon. I came across a guy called Paul Schneider. He was a pastor in Berlin just when Hitler was taking over that, uh, uh, the western side of Berlin and he was preaching against Hitler and he was arrested and he was put in a, in a concentration camp called Dachau. There's a concentration camp called Dachau in, in the middle of Munich. Now my brother works there and I visited there and we went to that concentration camp. And as I read, as I, as I saw this man's name and as I saw that he was literally killed in that camp, I just had a moment where I thought, I walked with Paul Schneider. And I saw the stuff, I saw in such a clinical, removed way what this guy went through. And the story is, is as a pastor, he preached against what was happening and he was arrested one night at three o'clock by the Gestapo, thrown into this concentration camp. And he was, he was killed because of medical experiments that was done on him. And they found lots of his letters, his wife kept letters that he wrote to her. And all these letters were riddled with the word joy. And you think to yourself, here's a man writing from a concentration camp, joy. And the thing, the words that mark his letters to his wife is joy. And friends, as we walk in the footstep of James, as we study this incredible book, we study a man's life that was martyred, was thrown down from the pinnacle of the temple, wasn't dead, then he was stoned, and then eventually a God came and clapped him to death. We read about Jesus' brother. I told you a little bit about, uh, about uh, James last week, so you can listen to the recording if you want to catch up on that. We spoke about the fact that James was killed because he said the one phrase, Kudos Jesus, which means Jesus is Lord. And he said that word in a, in a culture that was counter that. They were saying, Kyrios Caesar. And James was saying, Kyrios Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Caesar is not Lord. We spoke about the Jews that he wrote this letter to. And I literally last week was able to preach through one verse. Okay, so we're going to see how we're going to do today. Okay. I'm going to read a few more verses to you. But today we're going to touch on something that touches every single one of us. We're going to touch on trials. But you know what? When you speak to someone about a trial, and you know that they have gone through the trial, it's so much easier to listen to them. So today, if you hear the voices, or if you hear the voice of James, a man that went through incredible trials, to see the church established, to see people come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. 
Maybe you can listen to it a little bit different than just reading a book from a distance and think this is a man that lived about 3,000 years ago. And James, when you get beyond him, his introduction, when you get beyond the message that he gives us from God, and when you get beyond the people that he writes to, we see here that in James 1 verse 2 to 4, he goes on to say, Greetings to you Jews. Count it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness or perseverance. And let steadfastness and perseverance have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy, brothers and sisters, when all kinds of trials come upon your way, because it will produce something that is more valuable than what you can imagine. Now, when I became a Christian, and I listened to people sharing their testimonies, they said, I, got, I became a Christian, and everything in life just stopped making sense. Life was so easy. That wasn't James' experience. Life became difficult. Friends, he's writing to a bunch of Jews that is very desperately in, in faith crisis because life is not easy. So he's saying to them, listen guys, this life as a Christian, you might not understand it, but let me help you. Count it all joy, brothers, when trials and tribulations come upon you. Now the word, the word trials is a word in Latin, it's tribulum. The word is tribulum. Now the word tribulum, can you see the picture there? That is a tribulum. So when James says to his crowd, count it all joys when trials come against you, he's referring to this implement that was used to thresh wheat. It was a very, very, very heavy piece of wood. And then they would beat, they would literally take a hammer and beat pieces of metal and pieces of rock in this to make it that type of implement that when they pull it with a horse over the over the, uh, the grain that it would cut, it would break, it would, it would mangle the grain that they could thresh it. That at the end of the process you can have the grain that comes out of it. The fruitful bit and that you can get rid of the stuff that cannot be edifying. So when James is writing something, he's saying, guys, count it all joy when this thing is pulled over your life. If you're not competing, you guys still happy, glad to go to church. Good news for you, friends. Because sometimes life feels like that. And sometimes life does that. The weight of the tribulum crushes you. The blades and the rocks that is in the tribulum that is pulled over you that you are experiencing. Loved ones doing something that disappoints you. The world throwing stuff at you that you really don't want. But this implement was made to break and to prepare and to get the stuff that is edifying out of the stuff that just, it's just stuff. He's talking about two things. He's talking about trials. He's talking about trials come from the outside. It's adverse circumstances. 
It comes to all. It comes to rich. It comes to the poor. It comes to believers. It comes to non-believers. Trials is stuff from the outside in. But he also refers to temptation. Because he's writing to believing Jews. And he says, what do you do with the stuff on the inside that is tribulum in your life? What do you do with your confusion about your own identity? What do you do when, when, when you, you hear the voice of the accuser so hard? And you hear the voice of stuff that happened in your life is you are failure. You are just destined to be a failure. James is saying counter called joy. It is totally a contradiction or it's, a, it's, it's completely contradicting. Joy when something like that is pulled over you. Friends, as I was preparing, I, was, I, I, I had a moment where I just felt that God said, when that is pulled over you, when that tribulum is pulled over your life, and when the tribulum is currently pulled over our nation and over the nations of the world, I had such a sense because James is saying joy, that God is saying, I am breaking the hard stuff that is preventing the fertile ground to be exposed. We had a word from Jim and Food, one of the prophets in our movement. And he said he saw a vision where the earth was broken open. And he said in this vision it was really troubling to him. And he said to God, God, why is the world being broken? Why are people's lives being broken? And God gave him this word. Is it on there? He says, where you see trials, I see transformation. Where you see fissures, I see furrows. And the word that God gave Jim for us as a church movement is he says, the breaking will produce fruit. Because friends, there's the tribulum that breaks. And there's a furrow. And what are, what are, what are they doing in the furrow? They're sowing and they're watering. And James understands this. He understands this when he says, count it all joy when trials come upon your way. In the moment you will not understand it, but if you allow God to be with you in this process, the fissures will become a furrow. And the furrow will be a place where you can sow the word of God in your personal life. But friends, let us not just be a church that is here for what can I get out of it for me today. God, please give me a bit of seed and a bit of fruit today. But may this be a moment where you are not just experiencing the word of God for you and what God wants to do in you, but where you are receiving the word of God, where you are receiving a grace that when you walk out in a culture that's currently being tribulated, that you can sow seeds. Because as we sow, God will flow. That's why I chose that, that picture up there. It was obviously seed sown. And now you can see the water being poured out in the furrows. Friends of the church, when we start sowing the word of God, we can expect the flow of the Holy Spirit. Something that we felt this morning very clearly when we were praying together. God wants to move by His Spirit and the church is a vehicle through which He wants to pour out not just His Word, but also His Spirit into our society. That is why we can look at what's happening in our economy. We can look at what's happening in Lochin. Any, any, any frustrated ones? Count it all joy when the lights go off. Okay? Get a little candle 
Get your Bible and count it all joy. Because God, maybe God wants to do something in the dark that you will not allow Him to do in the light. Count it all joy when you look at the economy. Count it all joy when you look at the political absolute mayhem. And listen, get me after work hours. And I really need to count it joy. No one is enjoying this. But he doesn't say enjoy, he says count to joy. Count to joy that the world is being tribulated. Because I tell you, there will be people that's ready to listen to the gospel now that two months ago they wouldn't have. Because the hard ground has been broken open. God by his grace came with a, with, with a plow and he ripped open that hard ground. And he's ripping up and he's destroying the stuff. That, they, that, that, that made them feel secure. And now all of a sudden, because it's destroyed, they will listen to you, Dominic Gorman. They will listen to you. God is busy with something, friends, and He says, count it all joy. The word count says, count it means reckon, consider. Is it possible? Because the world will tell you when tribulations come, when that thing comes, you run faster than whatever is putting it. Alright? I hope it's a fat donkey. You know, like, really not... And I'm going to move to this work. Okay. Because, man, I, I don't want that thing to go over me. But friends, let us allow God to do in us what He wants to do in us. Let us not be in our tribulation and just use our tribulation to prove that God doesn't exist. Instead of embracing the tribulation, saying, God, you promise you will do something through this. God, you are taking me through a time where I'm crushed, I'm cut, I'm ripped apart, Lord. But Father, as long as you are with me, you were ripped apart as well. There was a father and his son, it's written, Malcolm Muggeridge wrote a book. Malcolm Muggeridge, makes you sound so very clever if you quote these people, okay? <laughs> Malcolm, Malcolm Muggeridge was a great writer, and he used an illustration, him and his son, and he was trying to explain the cross and the power of the gospel to his son. And he struggled with this. And one day he was walking with his son, and it was back in the days when they were still using ox wagons. And there was an ox wagon laden with rocks that drove that people past them. And the shadow, as the sun was shining, the shadow of this ox wagon was cast over them and it went past them. And he got it. And he said to his son, Did you feel the shadow pass over you? And he said, No, Daddy, I didn't feel the shadow pass over you. And he says, That's exactly what the gospel is. He looked at his son and he says, Imagine you were lying there in that ox. Where that wagon drove over you, what would have happened? He said, Daddy, I wouldn't be there. And he said, Jesus did that, that we can only experience this shame. Count it all true. God promises. There's not one of you, friends, and I include myself, there's not one trial in this room that's too big for God. Not one. There's not one trial in this room. There's not one sad story. There's not one person that got hurt in church in this room whom God does not have grace enough to sustain and to say, I've got you and I can make you whole. Because my word says so. 
Because his word says this. Let me get to the word. Here we go. Count full joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness and perseverance. And let steadfastness and perseverance have its full effect that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. Perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is about mind change. Romans says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why would the apostles, why would the disciples, why would the people who wrote the Bible be in prison and tell people, rejoice always from prison. And again I say rejoice, Philippians. Why would they be in prison? And write this. You would think, do you think something, what, what are you smoking? What kind of weed pixel are they feeding? <laughs> yeah, because that's four-prong stuff. <laughs> okay, that's stuff that brings them up. And I tell you, friends, the church needs a bit of love. That's a man preaching. <laughs> and all the things like that. Ah, the world is like, what are you on? Okay. <laughs> friends, he's trying to get you out of minds. What do you believe about God? What do you believe about the gospel? Or are we really good at playing Christian? Are we really good? When we together as a bunch of Christians to pat one another on the back and say, Oh, Craig, you're so spiritual. You're an angel compared to Barry. Friends, <laughs> 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 is Christian just a title or is it a calling? Is Christian just something that God says, I want to give you this little badge that you can stick on? And every now and then, you can just put your jacket over it that people don't see it. James is saying, no, 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 no. Because of what you're going through, God will reveal His kingdom through you. Stick it out. Stay firm under the tribulation. Stay worshipping. Because something happens, it will produce its perfect, complete work. It minds, mind matters. Paul writes to the Philippians out of the pers- uh, a Roman prison. Paul Schneider was killed and his letters to his wife was filled with the word joy, 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 joy. How many people did he reach in that concentration camp that I just glibly walked over? I walked the ground that this man was killed on. I walked it. And when I read it, it just, I just thought, man, let us walk like the saints walked. Because the biggest problem that the Jews were facing in reading this letter from James was assimilation. You know what assimilation is? It's really saying, I will use Christianity and I will use religion according to my comforts. When I need it, I open the door. Like for me, my door that I open is the French door. Okay? You can see this. But when I want something, I open the door, grab something out, and close the door. <clears throat> How many times do we use Christianity like that? Uh, coming to church to get, get a good word, and then you're mad at the pastor for not preaching a good word. You're most probably going to walk out here. If that's you, you're going to be mad at me. I'm sorry. 
friends, God is calling us. God is calling the church to a higher level. He's calling us to worship when it's difficult. It's easy to worship when things go well. It's easy. It's easy to give when your bank account has got many zeros. But what about when it's a bit different? What does James say? Why can't you join? For God is in the pain. Psalm 23 tells us about that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because the one who faced the greatest tribulation in this world is with me. And he promises that I will not be tempted beyond what I can understand. And he promises that when this tribulation gets too heavy, he'll put his arm over you and he'll say, My son, I've got you. I've taken it for you. You can feel the shadow. I took the brunt of the wagon. He is with us. His promise is that He will make us whole through our suffering, through what seems to be trying to destroy our lives. God will make you whole. Do not run from your tribulations. Do not run to a Christianity that, that caters for your comfort. We're sitting in the school hall and I'm listening, I'm listening to the sound and I'm listening. And friends, who was with us in the garage? And the garage Christian. This person will be servicing every week. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> man, I tell you, that garage was rough, man. It was like a sick dock with no spread sunshine and no ventilation, bad fans, a little bit of dust. People really didn't join this church for comfort. I promise you. <laughs> Let's never become a church. Let's never become followers of Jesus. They follow Jesus because he wants to bring, or he must bring comfort to our life. He does you the greatest favor to put tribulation in your life, in this world, because one day you're going to pass the Jordan, you're going to go over, you're going to step over that line, and you will stand before God, and you will see Jesus, and the scholars will tell the story. Because tribulation leaves scars. And scars becomes testimonies. If you allow God to use that scars and to heal them and to bind them up. Because there is not one tribulation that He will give you that He is not ready and able to heal and bind up. And you will have scars. I've got so many scars on my head. You can just look at this. Alright? I've got scars that tell stories. Yeah, what a, what a great God we serve. How am I doing for time? No, how am I doing for time? I've got 10 minutes left. He promises that he will do something. He said to Abraham, Abraham, I've given you Isaac, your son that I promised you, bringing him up the hill, bringing him up the hill. I'm going to put him on the, on the altar and then sacrifice him to me. And Abraham, without a flinch, just said, come on, God, let's do this. Let's go. And Abraham and Isaac became a picture of God the Father and God the Son walking up the hill. And, and, and Isaac was carrying the wood, like Jesus was carrying the wood. 
to the altar. The only difference there is that Abraham walked down the hill, having gone through his tribulum with God's righteousness. Because when the tribulum goes over you, friends, it will mark you. It's like a brand. It's like when we do uh, cattle branding. I don't know if they do it nowadays. We say you may nowadays. We eat them, but we don't brand them. But, you know, it's, it's, but it's, it's, it's a branding thing. Okay? It's you, you mark the river, and I'm not just a boat. Okay? And then, that is what happens when the tribulum goes over you. Is you are branded. And forever and for always, that score will testify that Jesus is Lord. And if you get that score, because I promise you, part of this trial is internal, but part of this trial is external. Whether you are a believer or a non-believer, if you do not have the one who heals with you, your skull will become infected and you will become bitter and you will die of your wounds. You will not have scars. That is what James is talking about here. Let's go on. Friends, I can give you examples of men and women that live like this. Maybe walk in their footsteps. God says, okay, fine, if this tribulum is going over you, he does not just say it will go over you. He says that there's access to him and he will intervene because in verse 5 it says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, for he gives generously to all without reproach and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. But that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is double-minded and unstable in all his ways. He's talking about three things here. He's talking about wisdom, prayer, and God's presence. Wisdom, prayer, and God's presence. Let's look at wisdom. Wisdom, where do you find wisdom? Google? TED Talks? I just take talks and I don't know about Instagram. Facebook, is that where you find your wisdom? Where you look at people's manicured pictures. That's why I don't put pictures on Facebook, because it's not no manicure happening here. <laughs> you go to the only wise God. You know who called God? Who called Jesus the only wise God? James and Jude, Jesus' brothers. His physical brothers, stepbrothers actually, half brothers rather. We find in the book of Jude, he calls God, Jude calls God the only wise God. Where do you find wisdom with the only wise God? Not Google, not Facebook, not, listen, you can even read good books, the Bible is there. Read your Bible. Because the word of God will not return void. It will accomplish what it was sent forth for. And it will prosper there. Solomon wrote. He asked God, God said, ask me for anything. And Solomon said, God give me wisdom. And God said, I'll give you wisdom and anything and everything. 
Because in prayer, friends, when you ask God for wisdom, you start getting understanding in your trial. God is really quiet. But then he starts talking about prayer. He says, pray, faithful, doubt destroying, stabilizing prayer. Stable versus unstable. He says, ask and believe. Friends, how many times do we ask? And please, please, I'm, I'm talking to myself as much as I'm talking to you. How many times do we ask and we, and we actually just know the answer? God, change my bank balance. And you know the answer. Why your bank balance is the way it is. God, give me a girlfriend. And you know the answer why you don't have one. Everyone else around you knows the answer, but they just keep about to tell you. God, give me hair. No, I'm kidding. Right? That's not a prayer happening on this one. But asking faith. Asking faith. Revelation tells me that every single time I pray, there's bubbles in heaven. And what happened this morning, 8 to 8.30 here, these bowls, these literal bowls in heaven, you will see them one day. And every time you pray, there's something, it's like a substance that God takes from the earth and He puts it in those bowls and He mixes it with incense and the angels put fire to it and it smells and God can literally smell your prayers. The God of heaven and earth, the God who speaks and mountains tremble, the God who, who, who breathes lightly and sees our bottom. Praying works if you believe. Because if you do not believe, you are a double-minded man, unstable in all your ways. All your ways. Believe in God. You know what the problem is? Is sometimes we ask, but we are not willing to act. That's unbelief. God gives you the answer. You know what the answer is. But you're just not willing to act. No, but God is very quiet. It was saying long ago, God will meet you at your last point of obedience. And you know what? His grace will meet you there. Because he says, ask. And God will give generously. He's not a stingy God. He's not a stingy God. I have never in my life experience of sleep is extravagant. If your earthly fathers know how to give good gifts to their children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So if he says, if that God says to me, ask for wisdom, and he gives you wisdom, and you act on it, it will work. It will work. I promise you. That person that you're thinking of now, that you know, need to know Jesus. Call him in faith without having any words lined up. And just speak to them and see what God does. Because God will give generously when we act on what we know, what we should do. Otherwise, we are unstable in all our ways. That is faith. Faith is, and now James. I think you are surprised for you, but we're going to preach this in two weeks' time. Okay, because Linda's preaching next week. 
So next week you're going to love. Okay. This week will be like Weepix. Next week will be like Pro Metro. And I don't know what you want to read you. Okay, let's go get Wisdom. Prayer. I love you. You see this at work. You can acknowledge God. Friends, when you see this, oh my, let's put it together. Okay, you see You know what it is. Ask Craig, ask Uncle George to tell my head. He's walked with God for 50 years. Gary Tedmoon says, Remind people that no matter how deep your hole is that you are in, God is the deepest hole. Rejoice in your suffering. Don't stop worshiping We've got a great high priest that is really in this sea. But now, please, let us not just be worshippers in this hall. Let's go and worship Jesus out there. When you get bad news this week, get in your room, get on your knees, and worship God. When God speaks to you, you know the answer, now do it. Call that person and ask them to forgive you. Better yet, you forgive them. Do what God calls you to do. Stay in fellowship. 
Because the answer for some of you is the reason why you are in turmoil is because you are alone. And that's exactly what the devil has designed for you. That is his way of tribulizing you. Friends, we love you. And may we live this life that Janet calls us to. Because he says, faith without action is dead. Faith with action is putting God's word in action. You know the answer, <coughs> do it. Because God gives generously. And listen to the promise. If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubt. Don't be unstable. <clears throat> Let's be stable, because that's what the world is needed. And let me just end off again. God is plowing this world. He's breaking what can be broken. To open the fertile soil for the gospel. Let's go somewhere. And see what the Spirit of God does. That's the type of life changed me. And as he was sowing, God took him. May God find us as a church that sows. And then just takes us. And then a funeral is not time to mourn. It's a time to rejoice because God is. The seed's been sown, the furrow's been prepared, and the Spirit has flowed. What a faith we found in Jesus this time. Your gracious God. Father, we bow our knees, Lord, and before we pray for ourselves, we want to pray for the Lord's people. Father, we want to pray for those who persecute, we want to pray for those who speak negative, we want to pray, Father, for those who are atheistic in their, in, in their actions. And we pray for grace in our nation. We pray for mercy on those who don't know you, Lord. Father, we, we want to put aside the economy. We want to put aside the politics. We want to put aside racism. We want to put aside all this stuff, Lord. And we want to ask you for the souls of men and women don't know. Lord, let your gospel fill the city. Let your gospel fill our nation, Lord. Father, we embrace the tribulation. We count it all joy. Because you are busy doing something that we cannot understand, even if you, if you, even if you tell us. Lord. Jesus Christ, Lord, Savior, Redeemer. Father, I pray for people here, Father, that's going through tribulation, through trials. Father, I pray that you will give them generously your wisdom in this season, to understand the why. But that you will not just give them your wisdom to understand the why, but that you will give them the grace, Father, to act on how you're calling them to live. To act on what you are speaking to them by your grace. Father, we want to be a church that is full with worship. Because you are worthy. Gracious.